They're guys. They do magic. They are the magic guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Magic Guys podcast, where we as professional magicians answer your questions, talk about the life as a magi. And to my left, I have Nick Kay. Nice to be in a band. <laughs> Where's my shot glass? Below me, we have Doug Kahn. Salutations, buddies. Oh, yeah. And I'm Josh Lombito, and welcome to the show. And I thought good I was morning, everyone. Just by the way. Um, and I genuinely had a shot of bourbon this morning at 9.02 a.m. Because that's what you guys make of me. So let's do it, friends. I was going to have a shot glass waiting next to me, actually, and now I forgot. But only the people that were here early enough will hear that. Um, but if you're, not hurt, if you're not here early, you don't get to drink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, you, if you don't start early, you can't drink all day. So that too. That's right. That's right. Although for, for you, all you guys in the US, it's nighttime. So it's not mm. like it's not like you're an alcoholic like Nick and I at 9 a.m. That's mm. fine. Totally fine. Oh, in New Orleans, it's very much like that regularly. Well, what's what's the sort of etiquette? I think that like, you know, does it need to be noon? I think 11 a.m. is about as close as you can get to being like, is it too early? It's early, but we may as well. I mean, lunchtime is going to be in an hour. So like, what's the what's the way around it? Like, I mean, like, what's acceptable time to start drinking day drinking? You know, these hmm. rules change for me as I get older. So, you know, back in the day, it was there's no rules. Now it's like you got to be choosy. Now it's like if they're still serving the breakfast menu at McDonald's, it might be early. Yeah, what time is that? Ten thirty. <laughs> Not if you're working at McDonald's. I bet. I bet they're sauced in the back making those cheeseburgers. So let's let's agree and say that ten thirty a.m. is 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 early and i think that maybe just after 11 a.m is kind of acceptable if you're on vacation can we agree on that i think that sounds like a plan i'm with that i'm with that guys yeah nice well i've been totally out of whack in the last couple of days i'm i'm really happy we we're able to still make the podcast and thank you everyone for jumping on an hour early because right now i'm in a, i'm in a state of deja vu where i wake up i drive to the echo which is our state fair doug made a point of that's a great way to explain it in the u.s and i drive there i do three shows i come home and i just kind of i've just been repeating it and i have to do this for nine days and um it's really putting everything out of whack i don't i don't like that it's messing with my routining like i can't make reels because i get home and i have to like i'm editing a little vlog but then i was like there's just like no time and then i wake up and i repeat it and god damn Man, this is where you get that quality live footage, though. I, you're out there getting it. This stuff pops. True, true. And I am very, I am very happy that I bought the new camera like in time for that. So I've been I'm filming. showing my wife. I'm watching your stuff, and I'm like, "See, honey, <laughs> see how much better it looks." <laughs> yeah, We're close, right? We've almost broken through the wall, but just a little more. <laughs> Heck yeah. And Aaron, um, I also just bought a new microphone that I recommend Doug, uh, you know, getting for when he's out on the street. I bought no the chance. microphone no that Jeremy Tan, the one that Jeremy Tan explained on oh. on the podcast, the Sony ECM-B10. Very nice. Very, very nice. It's been, it almost, it sounds like, oh, it's the one I've been using in my vlogs from today and yesterday. And uh, it sounds like you're mic'd up and it's great, but it's uh it's a shotgun mic, so very happy. Does that require batteries? <clears throat> I, think I asked it does Jeremy not. this. It does not. Okay. Yeah. It's the it's, uh, it's This right. is where one that's one too many things for me to worry about is the <clears throat> microphone battery. Like, I can't go there. So I know, you know, we're all magicians here, not tech guys, but just very quickly. <laughs> so if I take this off. So this is, this is a digital microphone. So it has these uh, cylinders at the top, and that's what it's taking in the sound with. And there's three settings on here, which you can allow to either pick up 
the sound from directly in front of you, or you can have it pick up 180 degrees, or you can have it omnidirectional if you're talking from behind, like while you're shooting stuff. Um, but because the echo is very noisy, I've just been putting it on just the super, just one direction. And um, it's very clever at just picking up like that frequency. Um, super happy. So it just plugs in and like you're good to go. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Very happy. Also crazy expensive. <clears throat> uh, in Australia, it was um, $240. So I think in the US, it would be free, I think. You know, <laughs> that's in the $100-ish area, which for a microphone is not bad at all, really. Yeah. 150 100. bucks, probably. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Speaking of mics, Josh, it's just a tad hot, my guy. Like, it's a lot of hiss as well. So if you could just peel it back a tad. Everyone's yeah. having mic issues. Hold on. I'll move mine away so we can all be screwed up. There no. we go. <laughs> How's that, fellas? I'm going to do this to make it weird. Can you? Does it sound like I'm in a tunnel? <laughs> no. Don't you threaten me with a good time. Okay, how, how's that? I've turned it down a well, little bit just for you. I don't know what, what goes nicer. wrong. We, yeah. had, we had seven seven minutes of pre-show. We should have had everything worked out. You know? True. Yeah, and you know what? Like it's it doesn't matter. We shouldn't talk about our sound checks, but like yeah. I can't it sounds fine to me, but different mm-hmm. to the real world. So you can never properly check. The internet. So annoying. It's a mystery. just a little out of balance. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, working man at the state fair. Let's talk more about that, man. That's a grind. Like, what are your show? What's your show schedule there? Is you there all day? So I have a co-star, Christopher Wayne, doing the show with me. Right there, the shows are twenty minutes each, so it's not a long show, but it is a jam-packed show because it's only twenty minutes long. Um, I like we do that the show. It's it's good fun. Yeah, you can just pump like you just use your, all your energy out in mm-hmm. that in that time and uh we are doing a show at like 1 p.m 3 p.m and then 4 30 p.m so it's enough time to relax and actually go do a bit of stuff at the echo or like film some stuff which i've been doing yeah and um they have a we have a hypnotist at the moment um shane james i think his last name is shane maybe you've heard of him nick i know brennan dooley just crossed paths with him on the ships Oh, the older guy with the gray hair, Shane. Um, hang on a sec. I'm going to check my phone. We're friends. Does he work in the same stage you are, that runway stage? He is, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. At the state fair. That seems like a challenging environment for a hypnotist, like a little bit high, high energy. for. Yeah. So what, what he's done is great. I mean, they've set up all the chairs. Um, so for those listening, the way they've set up the stage is they also have um, runway fashion shows throughout the day on this stage. That's kind of what it's known for. And there is a normal stage that you would expect to see when you're watching a show, but then it cuts out into the audience with just a really long runway. So all the people that are amongst the runway, all their chairs are actually sideways. So they're watching the show by turning their head this way. And then at the end of the runway, you have all the normal uh, rows of chairs that are facing this way. So those people are actually quite far away from us. And we had to very quickly develop the show to include the runway. So we can do bits where we're running out in there, coming back, you know. Question. Have you thought about crashing the runway show? Like throwing on (laughs) some of their clothes, both you and, or just going out in your underwear and just doing like a strut sort of like, down the runway. Have you once thought about it? Because I think for comedic value and for content, that would be so funny. I mean, you're not wrong. It would be funny. What The closest thing I've done is in my show, like sometimes in the last show, like the 4.30 p.m. show, you, you, you're sort of grabbing the reserves of energy. So yesterday, for example, I had a, um, a mother energy drink and I was pretty pepped up. And when I do my three-card routine – where I'm dancing and stuff, to find the last card, the gentleman that I pick in the audience is always the furthest away. So I, <laughs> I did my own runway walk down the down the strip to get to him. So the song's playing the, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Um, is it like I'm Too Sexy? Because that would be a perfect. No, it's, uh, I can't believe I can't remember my own song. I hear it every day. Anyway. While, while you're remembering this, can you hear me? I changed to my AirPods. Is this better oh. or not? It's a lot worse, but we can hear you. Yeah. 
well, screw this. I'll go back to tell your story. I'll no, go back. back to the mic. You were perfect on the mic before, my friend. That was great. <laughs> I love how I love how John is explaining it. If fifty percent is perfect, Josh is at seventy percent. <laughs> Doug's at thirty-five. Nick's at forty. Okay, nice. Maybe just try uh, talking into your potato. Maybe that'll sound better. Or, or Jack the Dove, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I'll just keep talking for a bit while he, while he sorts that out. But um, yeah, so I've started in this song. I do at one part walk down the runway before I get into my, uh, my backflip moment. And uh, yeah, I've been filming all of them, trying to make vlogs, try to just like take advantage of the area I'm in. The only thing I haven't done yet is... Uh, street magic, which would be awesome, but uh, it's so hot during the day that only at nighttime it would make sense to do that. And uh, we just get so tired by the end of the day. But we still have seven more days to to pick a time to do that. So it'll happen. Working inside the plus. Can you hear me? Am I good? Yeah, oh, you good now. I could try the bird. Is this better if I just <laughs> yeah. use the bird? Would you prefer that? Yep. Check Much one. better. <laughs> <laughs> I was at the state fair. I'm out in 90 degree temps for, you know, six hours a day trying to find trees to hide under. So being inside the plus. Yeah. We're inside, but the lights are very hot. And Christopher mm -hmm. Wayne, so I'm I just rock a a white kind of like if you've se if seen any of my clips from Showman or Australia's Got Talent, I wear like a, a fitted white t-shirt and then I've got this jacket that goes over it and uh, and jeans and sneakers. So I'm pretty cool. But Christopher Wayne is in a suit and a white shirt, and by the end of the sh by the end of each show, I can actually read the tattoo that's on his chest through his shirt because it's just completely soaked. Because <laughs> he really pumps out, you know, one hundred and ten percent energy. Bob asked yeah. the question, "What is the food like at this event?" It is very expensive, but um, there's quite good food. You've also got the classics. Uh, do they have Dagwood dogs in the U.S., Doug? Like big hot dog stands or corn dogs? Is that yeah, corn about dog? Corn is, dog? It's like a it's on a it's a sausage on a stick that's yep. crumbed, and you it's dip a corn it into dog salt in America. Gotcha. Our state fairs are built on the back of them. In fact, they call the the professionals call it the corn dog circuit in America. If you're a state fair guy, because there's a lot of them in this country. Yeah. Right. I had a friend of mine call it a battered sav. I have no idea why it's called that. a battered, a battered sav. sav. Yeah, you want a battered sav? I'm like, a what? Corn dog. Corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Yeah. Right. Well, Nick, Nick, what have you been up to in the last week since we last chatted? I've just, just had 100, 100 gigs or 90, 90 gigs. It was a relatively quiet week with only six gigs. Thank goodness. Um, this week going to be six. very quiet because I'm uh, I'm going to be heading off to New Zealand next week. So I'll be broadcasting next Tuesday from Queenstown. Uh, I need Ooh. a vacation. Bad. Um, I've spent the past few weeks just struggling with like the flu and the throat. And I was lucky enough to get conjunctivitis this week, which was super fun. Oh, because nice. I've never had it before. And I didn't know that when you wake up with your eyes glued shut, it is epic. Like my, Ooh. I was the smallest bit itchy and I was like, what's up with this? You know? And, um, I, I looked up like home remedies on how to deal with this. Cause it came to me about 8 PM at night. And I was like, well, I can't really go to a doctor or anything. So I put a cold press on my eyeball, remove it. Uh, and I was blind in my left eye. Like I, I was fully blind. Like it was just a blur. And then I went to the, uh, uh, to the mirror to have a look at like what's going on. And it was just excreting this awful substance that I'm trying to say in a polite way. So oh, make I just got like a throw up. It was awful, dude. And anyway, so I, I washed it up as best I could, went straight to the hospital where there's a 24 hour <laughs> chemist. And I said like, help a brother out. And this guy was like, take these things. And uh, I just been doing drops ever since. And I spent the whole week uh, within a couple of days, it cleared up super quick, but just for the sake of, the care of not only myself, but my spectators as I perform all week, I've been wearing glasses, um, but they've just been like hipster glasses that like have no, no, like I'll, I'll pop them on, do some padding, I'll pop them on. Yeah. Look, I don't want you to feel uh, alone here. So I'll pop mine on as well. Here we go. Boom. I planned ahead. Yeah. These. So this, uh, this is what I've been performing like all week, which is just slowly evolving into Garrett Thomas 
as I get older, balder with a bigger Ooh. beard and glasses. And it's so annoying. I tell you why it's annoying. Everyone's like, I like it. You look so handsome. I'm like, why is it that the more I cover my face up, the more handsome I get? It's like, grow a beard <laughs> that covers this portion. And then it's like, put some glasses on that covers this portion. Now I just need to wear a hat where I'm entirely unrecognizable. And I could just let my personality shine through and just bury all the looks underneath all of this regalia. Scotty P says it best. It's a young Sankey. So if that's not a compliment, then I don't know what is, mate. You look like War of Wally. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> These are ridiculous. These are from the... So uh, for those who might see the blog that just went out, I picked up the gag bag of magic. Uh, I think it was 20 bucks. And um, in it, they put these glasses, which is not a trick, but they're just called phony glasses because there's no lens in them. And that's what justifies putting it in a magic bag. It's a gag. Yeah. Gag magic. Well, you yeah. can do that Tobias Dostal thing. You know that Tobias <laughs> Dostal thing, how he comes up and he's like that type of production. So, mm. you know, you, you did that pretty it. well just then. Well, you know, I am talented. But, um, and I've been obsessed with the Bostel stuff like very recently, like almost everything mm. he does. Just the annoyance of to bust, like what? Tobias Dostal's material is that you need to be Tobias Dostal to perform it. You know? Yeah, true. True. Yeah. Why can I see better with these on? That's weird. <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. I've been trying to love Silhouette for about two months now. And? Mm. How's it going? If, if I loved it, you'd seen it already. That's, you know, you know me. I put my tricks online. Yeah. I mean, for the uh, listeners that don't know what this effect is, it's like the Bystuff has an effect called Silhouette. And what this allows you to do is you can literally control your shadows. And I remember seeing this at Magic Live before, just before he released it. And he was performing it at like the, the Murphy's Magic penthouse in front of, you know, like 100 people and just stacked in this penthouse. And it was one of the most amazing things you'd ever seen. And... To be able to perform it, it requires such a high level of choreography and sleight of hand. It's like to do it at yeah, his level. There's options. So there's some easy ways to go, but even those are a little challenging. But the really good stuff is, yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon for for at home, like in, in the studio in a reel, there's probably more chance, right? Like I'm guessing the way you're playing with it, Doug, is like for a video. Yep. type of thing yeah uh, you know i really hope to bring it into my like everyday carry how cool is that to like manipulate shadows but it's a little more mm. you know than maybe you want to put in your pocket every day it's a little bit more pocket management and then also you need to add a special phone case to your phone to make it be at its best and yeah. i wasn't willing to go there for a few reasons so the phone case was the deal breaker for me ultimately, I think, but I still will use the prop in a reel. Yeah, I'll film this thing for sure one day in the studio. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a piece of gold, but it really is. Tricky. Tricky stuff. I mean, Magic Live just happened. I wonder what new products have just birthed and been released from that. Do you guys have oh. any goss on Magic Live? I do. Uh, my good friend, Chian Yeo, who works for us at Omegan Entertainment, he was up there running an absolute muck, went to the Kenner party, hung out with Copperfield, all of that sort of stuff. And um, in fact, Mike Michaels, who is an illusion builder in the US, um, I'd purchased a, an appearing chopper motorcycle from him some years ago, uh, which I then sold on to the illusionist Anthony Street, who has a show called Celtic Illusions. If you do see it coming through your town, make sure you scope it out. He's super talented and super awesome. It's a uh, it's a Celtic uh, dance show, but with illusions in it. So kind of mm. like Lord of the Dance, but with magic. And it's killer. Massive touring show. Yeah. Massive touring show. It did Canada not too long ago. Um, and it's, it's great. And here's the thing. Even though he does brilliant illusions and he's so talented – a lot of people don't consider him a magician, which is kind of upsetting because as far as an illusionist goes, he's fantastic and he's so well choreographed. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to Mike Michaels. Now, to pull it back, Mike has this amazing new illusion, which he actually messaged me just yesterday with the video performance of this. It is so good. It is so good. It's a circus theme illusion with a balanced routine. So what you do is you take a bait, you take a bowling ball, a bucket, and a box of popcorn and then you stack it all up 
in this like impossible balance type thing. And then you put a shovel across it and then you can put the kid on the shovel or any sort of, he actually puts his wife on there, I believe. And she puts him on the shovel and then spins him around on this thing. So it's kind of like the balance effect by um, Joshua J, but on steroids, like it's phenomenal. He does it with like a full person. So you can do this illusion and away you go. Then he pulls the whole thing apart and then goes, great, we're going to take a photograph with you now. He puts up a banner. What? Am I talking? Oh. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Go on. I'm talking to Bob Possible right now. Secret talk. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, and he, he does a routine where, like, he puts up a banner, uh, takes a photograph with the person, drops the banner, and then this inflatable um, elephant appears. And it is so cool. Like, it is so cool. And I've seen the video of this, which is why I was a little disinterested in the story. It is cool. Oh, Josh found yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah, this. Keep talking. Oh, you're this the will... story. I'm reading in chat. Yeah. Mm. So we should probably put that up at some point. But he How much is one of those? Like, what well, is that? 12,000 probably? That's my guess. Yeah. He actually did say that to me. About 12. It, it comes in two formats. You can did do I it nail it? 12K? I think he did. I, I just guessed. He, no, I think he did. He actually messaged me about that today. He goes... Yeah, you know what? Bang on. He goes, asking prices around 12K for the full routine, or if you just want the elephant, that's eight and a half. I think this is amazing because if you are looking at the show on YouTube right now, which you should be doing, uh, you will see that there is kind of like a base. So for me, something that packs that big, like I reckon I could put that in the back of my Tesla pretty comfortably. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't need an entirely massive thing to be able to I achieve. I don't know. This that's kind of big, man. I bet that. You think that fit in a trunk? I reckon that could fit in a trunk okay, or at least in an SUV pretty comfortably. I think that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, so okay. something Maybe that plays that big is pretty impressive. Like I think the most difficult thing would be like the banner that you use at the end to produce the mm. Alice forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. And but, like how are you um <laughs> like how do you even come up with that? You know? Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make a elephant appear. In a show. Here, here's a thing about Mike. He's okay. So, so we sorry, we just saw oh, the base. So you just saw the base before, and now this just comes out of freaking nowhere. And the moment's nice because you do the float with the kid. You say, "Here, take a picture in front of the curtain." They're taking a mm. picture of the child, and then they pull down the banner. Boom! There's the elephant. That's what happens, right? Or at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is, Mike, Mike is so clever, and the quality of what he builds is brilliant too. Like uh, I had other illusion builders check out the appearing chopper that like I'd purchased from him some years ago, and he does such genius things. Like you know that effect that Edward Norton does in The Illusionist, where he has the fruit appear from the like. Mike has a version of that. Not only does he have a version of that, when I visited him uh, last time I was in Vegas, he explained to me that he goes, you know what? I could make a version where I can make the tree appear in the, in, in, in like in your fist. And I was like, what? And he said, yeah, there's a, I could make a version. If you really wanted, it would cost a fortune. It'd be like a one off or a two off type deal where you put soil in your fist, push a seed in and then watch a plant grow from your fist. Like how magical do you think that would be? Like, like that is CGI movie magic. And Mike has the brain that can do that. Like he's, his genius knows no bounds. It's brilliant stuff. I mean, that's, you know, Penn and Teller's casting fool us would be like hearing that and going, ah, oh, please. We want that. <laughs> like I would love that effect, you know, like I, I imagine the setup would be absolutely phenomenal. And we spoke briefly about how the method would work and sort of like costume requirements, et cetera. But Here's the thing, like when you want to do magic that is that level, let's just, for lack of a better word, let's call it, get amongst it, for lack of a better word, let's call it like master Jedi level. There's Jedi level, really good guys, but then there's the master Jedi stuff, you know what I mean? The stuff that like the amazing guest we had, like Xavier Mortimer, like he does master Jedi level stuff, you know? When you get to that point, I think that there's just a certain effort that's required right? There's a certain sacrifice that needs to be made or there's certain restrictions that get thrust upon you, like it has to be used with a very dark black art type theater and whatever else, you know what I mean? But I think that's what we should be aspiring to, to be able to achieve effects, you know, instead of just going like, it's an okay effect, you know, it's a Jedi level trick, although we don't grant you the title of master Jedi, 
Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, we should we should seek out to have rigged theaters and we should also seek out to buy special phone cases. You know, there's all limitations on everything we do. <laughs> Absolutely. That was, that was meant to be a callback to Doug's uh, silhouette. Look, man, I'm not one that's opposed to going the extra mile and hunkering down for a good fight. <laughs> for sure. I'm just saying it's not going to be my everyday carry. It's really an angle situation with that phone case more than anything. It's a, it's an angly effect. The phone case solves the problem. I don't like angly effects in my everyday carry, and so that'll be reserved, you know? Yeah. Yes. And without well, the phone case, I can do it on social media, I think, and have a great time with it, and it won't be angly. Yeah. One, I mean, one thing that's very uh, angle for you guys is the uh, the levitating wand, which if you're at the Echo, you can get in the gag bag of magic. This is honestly the first rising wand I've owned. And uh, yeah, it's not disappointed. Now you got to do it at a kid's show so that it rises and goes up your nose. You do that <laughs> like, ah, oh, it's up my nose. And the kids lose their minds. Nice, nice. And then have the elephant appear. Could you imagine that, man? Like, imagine doing that in someone's lounge room where you're just like, all right, guys, we're going to do a thing. And you do a little thing in their lounge room. And then a banner goes up and goes down. And there is a full inflated <laughs> elephant in the lounge yeah. room. And you're like, could you imagine? You know, I imagine bringing a $12,000 prop to a birthday show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if enough people do it, then they'll be like, "Oh hi, yeah, we want to hire a magician. Um, do you do that giant elephant thing?" Like, and imagine that, <laughs> like a, enough people do it, and now like they're trying to find that. But if you're a school show guy working like auditoriums, and you've got two hundred kids in there, three hundred, and you know you're doing yeah. an hour, that's fifteen minutes maybe if you want it to be. You draw out that levitation and milk the picks that's a good point that's a good point i think what it comes down to is like when you look at some of these illusions for example like for example that that appearing chopper motorcycle i think it set me back like 36 grand or something like that it was a very grand illusion commitment but here's the thing some of these illusions that you look at they are tens of thousands of dollars but you know how long the magic goes for two seconds yep you know it's like do you spend 30 grand to have something that like curtain drops, drops again, chop a motorcycle? Yeah. Like it's four seconds of magic if you're really good, two seconds if you're a Jedi, you know, like it's that type of thing. And so when you talk to illusionists, it's kind of important to sort of think about that, you know, like when you make a purchase, how much magic do you get out of it? Like if you're a cruise ship guy who needs to pack small and play big, there's nothing more wonderful than going like, I carry a piece of rope. And I get nine minutes of magic out of it. And I'm like, that is sick. That is an amazing way of doing stuff. And that's where, like, I think that your thought process, Doug, like, whenever you talk about stuff for me, I'm just like, only Doug would be able to go, I used a thumb tip and I got 29 minutes out of it. You know, like, this is what I love about you. But I just can't I afford choppers. I got to <laughs> be, I got to be like. Well, there is an amazing illusionist that I spent some time with. Who's, uh, his name is Sam Powers. If you guys overseas don't know who he is, he's a great illusionist who lives in Sydney. Uh, he's now doing a lot more escapes, like upside down, uh, jaw type escape things. But he has this brilliant brain on being able to go like, oh, this illusion, the way you were going to do it is six seconds of magic, but now you can get six minutes. Like, and I love that about him. Like, We had this whole chat about an illusion where you could like levitate. And I really loved this idea of doing this levitation. And then we, we jammed the idea. And here was, here was the plot, right? Like you're performing. And one of the lights in the banisters, like in, 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 the, like in the lighting rig, starts to, to fool around. So then a guy goes up there on a, on a ladder. And then there's like a, a pyro goes off. And then the guy starts to fall. And then you like catch him, like mid-fall. And then you float him back up and you float him back down. Because like he just came out to fix the light in the middle of the show. So you do this whole like back and forth thing and then you get him down, he goes away, then you go up and float up and like fix the light and then come back down again yourself. And so there's a whole bit there that goes for like eight to nine minutes, whereas the way it's done originally, it's like you got two minutes of magic. And so just by jamming those ideas, it's so important not to drag things out, you know, like some people say, like as far as like, I think that mentalism and I think that street shows have this in common. And what they have in common is this. Mentalists like to squeeze a three-minute routine into 30 minutes. And that's ultimately what comes down. They use all this like 
blabble, blabble, and away you go, which is why mentalism, when done poorly, can be one of the most painful things to have to ingest through your eyes and ears. But Talk about the street shows. Well, in street shows, <laughs> is better because effectively you could just do the effect, but the beauty of a street show is that you can hold their attention, and that's where it's better. That's but where are you like, suggesting that it's commonplace for the performers to draw the moments out longer than need be in these environments? I I don't think I, I just okay. I, I, yes, I'm not because they're building the crowd right and pulling yeah. them in. Yeah. I'm not arguing. I'm just curious of your point of view. That's all. No, my my point of view is not not that you're drawing it out. You're building basically. Suspense. Nick no, hates buskers. That's the Shut point. Up. I used to be a busker. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. No, I, I look, I know a lot of buskers who pride themselves on like, yeah, I did 45 minutes. I held this crowd for an hour. And I respect the buskers that get their shit done in 20, 30 minutes. I've, I've mentioned this before. Okay. And it is cool that you can, you know, build and build and draw. But you, if you're really great, you get that, you get it done in 30 minutes. Yeah. But the, whole the fact thing. that you can. The fact that you're building and you're holding it is so much more important because, like, there's something remarkable. Like, this this first came to me a long, long time ago when I was performing, and I finished my set and I put my deck down and I just engaged in conversation. And they just said to me, "Goes well, one of the things that I like you over the other magicians I've seen in the past is that you haven't touched your deck in over 20 minutes and we're all still engaged and having a great time." And I was like, "That's cool." So, that's I think a, that that's I, a that that's a talking point. Like well, you were performing for them yeah, for this 20 minutes? Yeah. And we we're just engaged in conversation and, and I held everyone in and I was just, full, it was just like an interesting moment. And I thought, this is not how I perform normally, but you know, like I'd finished up my set and whatever else. And you know, like, like oh, can you do one more on your way out? And I'm like, you know, you put your bag down for a sec, you do a little something, but like, it was just an interesting way to think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes can't. people just want to have conversations with the talent. I think that's part of the the role sometimes as a professional entertainer yeah. is to have these moments. What's the saying? Is the saying goes, you go from being interesting to being interested? Or is it being interested mm. to being interesting? Being, being, in, being interested is better than being interesting in conversation, I think is the... That's the same synopsis. Like it's better to be interested in what, you know, the other person is talking about and stuff yeah. different if you're like a performer, but when you're yeah, just in that conversation part. Well, one of my, most favorite, one of my most favorite things that I love to do is that when I'm done in a set, like, you know, like uh, I have my, my set routines, I finish my set routine. I put my cards in the box and I go, well, that's what I do for a living. What do you guys do? And then it's like, well, nothing as cool as what you do. And I'm like, no, don't be silly. What are you doing? It's like, well, I, I work in HR. And I'm like, oh, cool. What do you do? He's like, well, I'm a builder. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm a plumber. And it's like, what are you doing? I'm a nurse. And then all of a sudden, like, you just got all these people with all these different things. And you can make jokes about the sort of thing as you go on. And then I finish by saying, like, this is amazing. We should start a village. You could be the town planner. You can be the nurse when I fall over. You can be this. And you can, and I make, I make it all connect. And I make a big joke about it. And then I go at the end, I go, and I will be the village idiot. Here's to our new town. Love to meet you guys. And we all cheers and I walk away. And that's just a really cute bit to wrap up my set, get to know people personally, and and just walk away with a beautiful exchange. And it's fun. And then you can afford 30 grand appearing motorcycles. Well, I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was that because you're going through a, a point in your career where that was to you like the next level was to invest I, in big stuff? Yeah, I think enough people got in my ear that were like, you're doing this and doing this. This is your next step. And I'm like, okay. And so I listened to them. And at the time I had uh, I had invested in an audio visual business and I had the resources. I had a warehouse and I had some other friends that were storing illusions at my warehouse. So I had access to stuff that I didn't have to pay for. And then I had lighting, I had audio, I had all those things. Um, and then what I did was, <coughs> excuse me, I, I contacted Mike and I was like, how big is the illusion? And it turns out it just fit in my van, right? In my like big Echo van. And I thought, this is perfect. The annoying thing was that when he measured the road case that housed this appearing chopper motorcycle, he measured the road case but didn't measure the wheels that it sits upon. And so, and oh so, when it came, so when it came time to pick up the illusion, I, I go to the docks, the custom docks, and I'm in my van, and I'm in line for hours. 
I get there and I go to push it in and I've got the, the I got like the the con note which has the dimensions and I knew it was going to fit in there and it was going to be perfect but it didn't measure the wheels and so in the end this illusion was like one inch too big my that's brutal and wouldn't get into the van I then had to leave go hire a four-ton truck and come back um so every time I did this gig I was in the hole like two and a two hundred and something dollars just because I had to be able to like put it in another van to get it there um so it just became laborious you know I did the routine a couple of times for a couple of corporates I made enough money from it sold it I didn't lose any money on it made my money back but um, look, there's just guys out there that do things better. And when you're in contention with people like Anthony Street or Sam Powers or anyone else who does illusions around town, I just think that like, you know what, like I'm going to sit back. In fact, I'm, I got a gig quoted at the moment where they wanted an illusion show. And like you could do it. And I'm like, no, no, I got guys who are better for it. And I, I'm going to, I've just put them forward for Anthony Street to do the illusion show at this corporate instead. Cause you don't need to do everything. Just because you can, like, you know, I like, like the if, idea I, of having one, but and I think like this elephant thing is a the right lines, you know, because you get these multiple effects and time out of this thing. Hmm. Uh, once you get into appearing choppers, you're just on a slippery slope where you need hmm. things to build up to the appearing chopper. You need the elevator appearance, and you know, exactly. you need the whatever. It, it, yeah. It's a yeah. Anthony's done that, and that's why I just go, you know what? I'm out. You know what I'm really excited to see is for my birthday, Sandy bought me great tickets to go and see 50 Cent in concert in, I think it's December. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Exactly. That's the guy, Doug. And it's I think it's called the Final Leg Tour or something like that. Marcus Eddy, well-known magician in our field, is consulting on this tour. What? And for the, for, the, for the whole, at least the whole US leg of the tour. And um, he's been posting updates on his Instagram because there is an illusion element in the show. And I think it has to do with 50 appearing like on the stage. Um, and I am really excited to see what, uh, what like one of the top rappers with all the money in the world does with an illusion. And uh, yeah, I've been hearing him talk about it. Marcus Eddy, and uh, that's going to be dope to see that in amongst a rap concert. <laughs> oh, you've got to report back when you see that. That'll be amazing. Hell yeah. Hell you know, yeah. I'm, question for Doug. You know, I was talking to Dwayne not too long ago, and he was telling me about people that used to, like, acts that would open for other acts. And, like, I think it would be so cool. Like, I would love to be able to, like, open up a show for, like, and a great touring comedy act, for example, that would be so cool. I've heard stories of magicians opening up for bands like Slayer. Mm -hmm. This seems to be common practice, maybe more so on your side of the planet, Doug. Can you shed a little light as no, to like how this happens? I think this was more back in the day where they had smaller touring music acts. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of like, is that even happening in this country on any level right now? Um, the first name that comes to mind actually is Stephen Bargazzi, who's opening for his son Nate Bargazzi. You know, have you guys get Nate Bargazzi on your side of the world? He's a stand-up comedian. He's had yeah, a couple, no. couple net, oh. a couple Netflix specials. It rings a bell, actually. I think so. His dad is a professional magician, and he is a funny magician. If you don't know who Stephen Bargazzi is, B A R T G A Z E or something like that. Check him out. He's hilarious. And then his son grew to become, you know, he's selling out stadiums now. And now he's having his father open for him. So he get, wow. his dad gets to do his stand up comedy magic for 20,000 people. How cool is that? Wow. <laughs> you know, and it's like when Nate was coming up, I remember listening to his early stuff. Like one of his routines is uh, My dad was a clown. He's like, You ever been yelled at by a clown? <laughs> <laughs> Never been yelled at by a clown. Have <laughs> you ever done a gig where, like, you've been performing magic and then someone will be like, there you go, go play with the clown. I'm like, what the, f did you just call me? Like, oh, man. <laughs> um, Bob Possible just said that 21 Pilots do a teleportation trick on stage. And what? it looks like I found it. I mean, I don't know how good the quality is, but it looks like they're actually doing, like, a whole runaround 
pipe illusion. Come on, camera. This is the old camera, obviously. There we go. <laughs> so the the Taylor Swift show has a appearance. Her heiress tour, she appears on stage. It was yeah, a, true. It's not so, super magical, but so the guy that was in the hoodie was just on the stage, and now he's in oh, the audience. Nice. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Okay. Goddamn. See, I think that's great. Like mixing it in amongst other stuff is very cool. I wonder, you know, if you were to tally up all of Copperfield's illusions, for example, like just the ones in your show, that's got to be like a couple mil, right? Like you got these appearing dinosaurs. Obviously, you got the motorcycle. I bet that UFO it alone is millions. The the alien scene has got to be. Mm. A multi-million dollar endeavor, for sure. I wonder. I wonder. Like, I wonder what it would actually cost to... I think the R&D would be, like, the most expensive thing. You can as imagine. As opposed to, like, the materials. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it would come down to. Um, yeah. Yeah. And who's even responsible for that? Like... There's you know, animatronics, there's custom-made yeah. puppetry, you know. Mm. There's probably multiples and then various illusions for each of these pieces. Lot. There's a yeah. lot. This, yeah, there's a lot I, going on. A lot of but I think it, goes, it goes back to what Josh was saying before about like mixing um, talents. Uh, recently, our good friend Raymond Crow, um, known as the Unusualist, as far as magicians love his go. work. Love Such his a work. Fan. Tell love him I'm him. a super fan. Beautiful man. If you don't know his work, you need to look up his routine where he does the shadow puppet routine. It's one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see and has been ripped off a billion times. But as far as I know, he's he's one of the first to have done it and really commercialize it. And he's absolutely brilliant. Now, I've had the pleasure of working alongside him quite a few times um, through conventions. And also uh, he did our state fair here, which is the Royal Melbourne show where he did a run of shows, etc., And seeing his work is brilliant. Um, he's got this beautiful dancing coat routine, kind of like oh, a- Oh, it's the best. It's so yeah. good. And and I've, I've never had the pleasure of seeing it live because he's, he's got a shoulder issue, which makes it difficult to operate the gimmick. But like, I pray that I'll be able to see it like someday. So one of the things that Je Raymond had said to me some time ago was, what else do you do? And I'm like, well, I played in a band. I better take a shot. <laughs> I played in the band for so many years, and and he was unapologetically when he said this to me. I mean, he's such a beautiful, soft man that I was really taken back. It was literally like, "Is it in your act?" And I said, "No." And he was like, "Well, you're a an idiot." And I was like, "For real?" And he was like, "Yeah." Like, why? He goes, "I do mime. I do this. I do silhouettes. I do blah." And it's all in my act. And you should be doing the same. And it's like, "Yeah, man, the guy's onto something." Like. And mm. so um, one of the illusions that I got from Mike was like a floating guitar, which is, is a very, very full-on routine. It looks great. Damn. Um, yeah, there's like a blackout method and there's a couple other methods that it looks sick. And so like I had a full custom um, Gibson SG, which is the same sort of thing that, you know, ACDC, Angus Young plays. Um, Maybe, it's super, yeah. Yeah, and like <laughs> the gimmick itself is phenomenal. And people are like come to my house and see like my toys and they're like, I can't believe that you do stuff like this as well. And it's like, well, you know. I'm is it like a floating table, floating guitar? Is that? No, no. no okay. It is like, it is an apparatus All that right. goes up and down on your person. Um, it is a phenomenal piece. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. the guitar is legit? The guitar is legit and playable. The one wow. that he sells isn't, but I wanted to make sure that mine was. All and right. that's where the cost sort of came to be. Um there is so many methods at play on how to make it all work. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that real soon. Cool. But yeah. We so. do have a question of a voice message that came in um, on SpeakPipe. For everyone who doesn't know, go into the description of the video where you're listening to this. Drop us a uh, message. We'd love to hear from you all. And we got one from a guy named Billy Fisher. Uh, I'll play it now and we'll see how much of it we can answer. Billy Fisher. He's a great chess player. Hey guys, my name is Billy coming to you from the U.S. Kind of 
new to magic, but uh, absolutely love your podcast. I uh, listened to the wallet episode, and Josh, I went ahead and picked up one of those quivers that you had, the Patrick Coon with the rainbow card, and I've got some really amazing reactions out of that, something I uh, may not have stumbled upon so soon without you guys. Uh, Josh, for you, I uh, am also a big mnemonica guy. And I was curious maybe what some of your favorite routines. You talked about pneumocosis on the most recent episode that I listened to. And uh, was kind of curious just maybe what some of your favorite routines are. And uh, as well as maybe some of your go-to false shuffles. So just a little topic maybe for you guys. Thanks again. Appreciate you. Yo, Billy. Thanks, man. Appreciate the, the love, the comment, the clean audio. And uh, for using the speak bite. Appreciate it, man. I'm very... The first thing that comes to mind is you just said you're very new to magic, but you're learning mnemonica. Those two things aren't usually said in the same. Beginners these days. There's no, they don't even understand the path. They just go, there's the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. They just, yeah, that that's all I can imagine is happening. Some some babies crawl or walk first and it's like, no, I'm just going to fly. Watch me. The thing is we have better information now about what's good. Like when, you know, when I was young, we had to search and you had to know a guy who knew a thing and he'd give you the Xerox maybe, you know, and then we had VHS and now DVD and now the internet, you go, what's good? And then they go, Monica. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but also yeah, some people just have a keen eye as to what strong material is, and you sort of need to go like, well, it's the fact that he can like identify strong material is a very good thing, firstly. But like, yeah, that quiver was smart. That's a great prop. Yeah, mm. but like to his, to his point, um, if regarding stack work and regarding false shuffles, uh, if I could chime in, I think that has anyone attempted the truffle shuffle, which is a really nice way of giving the illusion that you are doing a riffle shuffle, but in fact not disrupting the deck. At all, mm. I I do the uh, the two version. That's the one I learned, which is just basically it has uh, an extra cover card. I don't even. Let me, know let me be clear that up. you're all doing Leonard Green's shuffle. Is what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, which true, two, true. Yeah, so another another great resource, Bill. Just so you're aware, uh, there is a a box set from uh, EMC which has basically the life's work of an amazing talent called Leonard Green. If you're unaware of who he is, please look up his TED Talk and you'll appreciate a lot of what he does. And it'll like really go great with like the path that you're on, Bill. Mm. Um, he has an effect where he does a the illusion of a riffle shuffle, but it's done in kind of like a cage environment and he uses a table. So there's a couple of variations of that on that DVD. So scope that one out. It'll be a really good investment. You, you know regardless. who's the best at this? If, if you guys want the, the top work is Ben Earl. He calls oh, it yeah. the, gray, the gray shuffle and he does you know, it better than anyone. I've watched the gray shuffle and for me, it's too thin on one side for my liking, like when he does Compared it. Compared to the truffle shuffle though? I mean, that's the same thing. Mm. Well, I mm, kind of thought that's what you're supposed to do. Like you start with a smaller packet, like a third of the packet, and then as you learn the effect, you try to thicken it as you go along. Mm. That's what I thought that sort of meant. I thought was. Ben's was pretty thick. Uh, maybe I I'm mean, remembering. Ben, obviously, Ben has, you know, the great stuff. But um, for me, my process anyway for um, – for the question was, I learned the the truffle 2.0, but then I started watching David Blaine and how he approached it on TV where he would do essentially what looks like the start of any false shuffle, but then he would just bring it up like this. So on the camera, it looks exactly the same as if I do it for real. Or I can't, I like it. <laughs> that's so funny. I couldn't do it for real then. Um, You're a fake. And because I remember seeing it on, um, so <laughs> so that would be real. And then this would be not real. And it sounds exactly the same. And uh, so I remember watching him do it and not thinking anything of it until later on watching it again, knowing the effect and then going, oh, holy crap, that's what he's doing. Let, um, let, me, give this, let me give this gentleman a good, a good trick. I got a good one for him. Please right. do. So what you, you take your, your deck in play. You have your spectator cut off a portion of cards. You say, hey, cut off any number of cards, look at the card you cut to, and then shuffle your packet. So they cut off any number, they look at their card, and you say, now we're going to play a game of poker tells. I want you to look at your hand, and I'm going to find your card, but first I'm going to find all the other ones. Just think about the card you're seeing. 
Now just call off your stack according to the key card from here. The card that will mm. be remaining in the hand will be the spectator selection, and you've just accomplished an amazing miracle. Cut, look, shuffle, you name all the cards ending with theirs. And there you probably got about nice. six minutes out of that as well. That is just genius, Doug. Like, it's, it's, a great, it's a great trick. I think I remember yeah. learning that from Bill Malone where he would do like two or two spectators would, would they cut somewhere, choose the portion, another portion, and then like I think the third person takes one this card. This routine you speak of, I'm sure Bill learned from Ed Marlowe. It's published in uh, Ibidum Magazine. Issue seven or eight has Ed Marlowe's memorized deck routine, which he published in the 1950s. And this four-phase memorized deck routine, which you are talking about. Is Let me just look a little closer. So we talk about Mnemonica, but what about Ibidum? Mar Marlowe in the 50s, baby. Yeah, true. Damn. So Isn't it that amazing that you're like someone's legacy, like was so someone was at such a high Jedi level that even today, like we still walk on their shoulders, right? Yeah. But that, that effect, definitely learn that one. I mean, the easy way to start learning is to just have them take one out. You know, you cut the deck where they've taken it, so you get your peak, and then you can play a lie detector game or read their mind. I'll generally say, okay, because you've got that card, try and name a different one and then say a different one, and then you can say, like, that'll always tell me something about your card and blah, blah, blah. Like, ah, oh, you said a black card, so that means yours red, and you said a high card, so yours probably low, which a lot of the time is actually what happens. Um, but... The way I try to approach, and I've got three books here, I'll, I'll flash up to the screen for the stack work, like the material I've been reading. But essentially, I try to just look at the tricks I do and see if I can do it using a stack instead. So instead of them picking a card, having to do the procedure of shuffling it, controlling it, um, I see if I can just do the trick by them naming a card. And now you've kind of skipped out the other process and it, and it being magical in that sense. So... The one that I'm always doing in my uh, YouTube videos is the rubber band pop out, which is an old trick um, where it, you wrap it around the deck, you cut the deck, you let go and one card shoots out and it's there normally selected and signed card. But I just approach it where they name a card and I control it so that when they randomly say stop and put the rubber band around, it gets a much bigger reaction when I do that, as opposed to if I perform it where they've picked a card and I've shuffled it. Are you using the rubber band for some time misdirection to control the selection? Is that part of your yes. operandi? The way it works is, um, for those watching, the way the routine goes is like this. So I say, look, so I've done a trick first. And then I say, look, the way I started learning how to find cards is with one of these bad boys, a high-tech tension dispenser. Now, for example, what, and I'll do a shuffle as I'm saying it. All right, so for example, my friend, what, uh, just name a card for us to find. He'll name a card, a card. and I'll go, yeah, and then I'll, well, that's an easy card. And then I'll go, all right, and just give this a stretch, make sure it is legit, it doesn't open up. And so, yeah, while he's doing that, I'm just doing my one cut and I'm peeking to make sure I don't have to make any adjustments. And I'm going, just fine, okay, great. And then I'll just say to them, like, all right, you have an important choice to make while I'm loading this on. You know, say stop somewhere, they say stop, and I cut the deck there. And then the change for me is I go, all right, hold at your hand. I sit this on their hand, and I have another spectator do the pressing down part. And so now when they let go, and this happens, you turn it over, and it's the card that they just said. How um, fun is that? Two hands-on moments, zippity-doo-dah, name a card. That's awesome. That's So that's what I enjoy doing. And so that's not particularly written up anywhere, but it's just essentially a trick that you know, can you do it in a stack? But the, the things that help me get to that point is reading books like this. So this is one. So this is Pit, Hart, Pit Hartling's In Order to Amaze. Great book. Really great book. It has some stuff in there I, I can't even approach yet because the way he thinks about a, a stack is just insane. Like he starts thinking about the gaps between a four of a kind and like... I think he calls it a, a quartet or something where he knows how many cards are between each four of a kind and he does tricks with that knowledge and I'm like, that's beyond my pay grade, buddy. Um, another great one is Helder Gamera's Volume 1. That has some 
great, great material in there and some with stacks, some without stacks. And then the last one, of course, is RZ Wins Repertoire. Great material in there as well. So if you have any interest in stack work in Akon, the Repertoire is your book. Repertoire. Repertoire. Yeah. No, I love the repertoire. Yeah, Do you use any of the built-in effects with Mnemonica? Is there like I'm I'm one, I'm looking for tricks where someone doesn't name a card. Is there anything you do Is with the stack about that? Let me think. No. <laughs> I'll pick a card. Like there's a lot built into that stack, and I generally recommend mm. new students to build their own or go a different direction because no one ever uses the built-in stuff. Well, let right? me put a question True. to the group. Let True. me put a question to the group. Should you be creating your own stack? If you're going to do stack work, like if we inspired people today to go do stack work, like, yeah, man, your podcast, I'm going to do it. Like, should you either one commit to a stack that everyone knows and already works or just go screw it. I'm going to do my own stack. And then that mm. way you can pull the piss out of everyone. I kind of do wish that I had, maybe I will in the future, taken the time to learn my own for sure. Cause that's just fun. Right. Cause it throws people off. Well, only magicians, it throws magicians off. Um, but for magicians, I will often just change the bottom card anyway. So, because the moment you see a nine of diamonds, any mnemonica guy is like, cool. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Um, and so well, you know, always. I, I highly recommend the, the modern student research Patrick Redford's work on the memorized deck. He's done a lot of high level thinking about it. Um, it his work is based upon the Cy Stebbins stack or. It's integrated in. It comes in and out of that elegantly and some kind of a multiple stack system. Patrick is one of the most brilliant guys alive as far as high-end card work goes. And he's working on his third volume of material regarding his uh, the Patrick Redford stack. So if you want some mm. cool stuff, go look at that. Yeah, it's nice. great. Yeah, it's great when people take things like that. Stebbins. Tons of great stuff with Cy Stebbins, right? So if you can get into a system like that, now you have red, black, cyclic, and plus a ton of like liar routines, poker deals, and Cy Stebbins rocks, guys. Memorize that. That's I rec I recommend memorizing Stebbins for sure. Stebbins over Eumonica? Well, Stebbins is mathematical, ironically, so you don't have to memorize it. True, but there is a difference, right? Well, there's a big difference, right? Going, in, in yeah. Tricks. yeah, Absolutely. this was this memorizing Stebbins was advocated to me by Stephen, I think, Yule back in the early 2000s. And I thought, yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. It's a great stack. Why not? No mm. one, you know, they'll notice the red black. <laughs> really? Speaking of magicians who do great work, John Miranda has released a bunch of amazing stuff. And this week, I'm a product of his called Invisibag. I'd love to share it with you guys in this week's Piper Magic product review. Let's roll the Go. tape. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Piper Magic, uh, Australia's premier online magic store. Now, guys, this is a really cool uh, toy that I got to play with. Uh, it's a product created by Rafael Patresca and Jal Miranda called Invisibag. And what this product allows you to do is you can vanish any small to medium-sized uh, item like instantly. It gets placed inside a really high-quality felt bag, and then you can vanish it and have it reappear anywhere. Like it's limited by your own creativity, okay? So I won't go into uh, full detail about this because I really cover it quite well in the uh, in. The review that I actually do on my channel, which the link will be shared in this video as well. So be sure to scope that out. But I wanted to tell you guys about it real quick because what you get is uh, a bag, which is available in either black or red, which allows you to take things like watches, phones, sunglasses, any medium, small size sort of object that you can then load into this bag and vanish it like instantly. Um, and the ability to make it reappear anywhere is really awesome. Like in this product, you get given a video tutorial where you get two explanations on some really amazing routines, one of which is making a watch appear inside a sealed box of cereal. Really clever stuff. And it's just remarkable how simple and effective it works. I really recommend you guys scope it out. Um, one thing I will say is that 
if you're going to do this product, there is a small restriction in which you will, it is costume dependent and you will need to wear a jacket. So for most female performers, it might not be the most uh, appropriate thing to wear, but I think that for what you can do with this and how clean it looks and how easy it will be to then load things into products or into impossible locations, highly recommend. Scope it out and make sure if you're going to get it, that you get it from pipermagic.com.au and use the discount code Piper guys. It's all one word, Piper guys. So you can get a discount not only on this purchase, but on any magic purchase that you need. So if you need cards, go get cards. If you need flash paper, go and buy some flash paper, but make sure you use discount code Piper guys to get yourselves a discount from all the goodies from pipermagic.com.au. And make sure you scope out the full review on my channel, but definitely scope this product out. Cool. That's what we're talking about. Thank you, Piper. My bad. I was a bit slow there. You know, because of this bloody Eka thing, I'm so out of whack. Like, I, I realize we talked about gig stories without even doing actual gig stories, you know. Uh, Goddamn. But, hey, <laughs> we made, we still yeah. made the podcast. We still this, did it. Yeah, this thing is great, you guys. Like, it's so killer. Like, it is. I was going to ask, what does it look like? It's just, it's like a felt bag? Like a felt bag. They come in red and black. I wish I got the red one because it would have stood out a little bit more. But it's, Yeah, that makes sense. It's really Quite nice and thick. The beauty of it so just so be like, here, put your watch in there, and then a minute later, it's not there yeah. anymore. So you can like mm. pop the bag right, and then just gone, like right. gone, 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 gone. <laughs> and then yeah, and then have this reappear elsewhere. Like it is right. so good, um, right. and so clean. Like it's it's really clever. Like it's very very clever. I I really like it, and um. I think that like if I was going to buy one, I, I wish I, I, I probably would have got the red one just because it stands out a little bit more on stage. I figured that I might get a little dirty, but I'm, it, it does look like you can wash it, so not a problem. You know, I think in a modern time, a borrowed, lost, and found phone has got to be one of the most dramatic. You know, it's like mm. you know, uh, if you're going to borrow and lose an object, someone's phone is about as important as it gets, right? Yeah, I mean, what else do you keep your nudes? <laughs> and then Doug pulls out a shoebox of all the nudes sent to him by Polaroid. Well, let me show well, you the stack of Playboys. This one was back in 19 Dickety Six. Um. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. I reckon I have something for our uh, our final word today. But before we do that, was there any last goody goodness you guys had to share with our fellow brethren listening in? Well, Johnny just podcast? had a question um, here. Can I pop it up? Is that cool with you guys? So it says here, Johnny, I was thinking yesterday about how do you feel about having a duplicate silk for appearing and disappearing silk so you can produce it from an impossible location? John, there is a routine that I read from um, Ben Hart's book. Uh, mm, great book. Uh, let me go and grab it real quick. Um, What's it called? Like the dark? The short answer like is yes. There. That's the answer. Mm. It's called The Darkest Corners. Yes, it's fine. The that's Darkest right. Corners by Ben Hart. And there's a routine in there where you can have a, a, a signed silk appear inside a peach. No, that's not a duplicate. That's not the question. But 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 that's the thing. That's far better than any sort of duplicate. Like we're talking about a signed silk. Not so, arguing that. Yeah, true. You're right. That's not the question. But <laughs> but so, yes. Look, I used to pitch magic at, at Magic Masters. <laughs> hundreds and thousands of faces I saw. One of the items we pitched was a thumb tip, and we happened to carry a thing called silkola. You'd show a Coke bottle. The Coke bottle's empty. You put a tube over it. The handkerchief vanishes, and now the silk is in the Coke bottle. And this is a little more impressive because getting it in the Coke bottle is troublesome, right? So mm. where the duplicate item appears is magical. Now you're in the right ballpark. If you just say, there it is, and now it's in your pocket, well, you probably just had another one in your pocket. But if you clearly show where it wasn't before, and then – so that's my suggestion. Think yeah, along or those I love that. Or maybe even, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you can show where it wasn't and now it is, or even if it was like a transportation, like where your coin was in your thing 
and now you've made the silk vanish and now it's a coin and then you look where the coin was and now it's a silk. Like those kind of things I think hit pretty well. Anthony uh, DeMazzi has a beautiful silk routine where he'll vanish a silk and people will say things like, it's up your sleeve. He's like, no, it's up yours. And he puts his thumb up your sleeve and then produces it from your sleeve. And it's mm. so beautiful. Like it just slaughters. If I had a dollar for every time I've seen um, Matt Hollywood do that, I would be able to buy a motorcycle. <laughs> What's that, Doug? This, oh, here we I go. use this as the algorithm appeasement generator, but it, it makes silks appear oh. out of nowhere. So you could use that. As, I'm getting my money's worth out of this Chinese pagoda box. I'll tell you that. I never thought, but now I'm thinking about buying a backup. Dang. You know, there you, you go, John. That's what you want. Wow. Does anyone know of a, of a great resource where you could just get like the sort of encyclopedia of silk magic? Does such a book exist? The Rice, is, the Rice Encyclopedia of Silk Magic. Three volumes. Okay, so it does exist. Dope. Thank you, Doug. I haven't read those. Freaking yeah. three volumes We're, of silk magic? Oh, my. It's a lot. Yeah, it's like, a really, like three feet of silk magic. You know, I get yeah. like... I, yeah, there's a friend of mine, Lee, Lee Cohen, who like was consulting on the um, uh, Harry Potter uh, musical show, whatever it was here. Um, she has this beautiful bit where it originates from where you would have like a rose on your shirt, but it's a silk, and then you would like take it off like so. So it's just a nice way of producing it. But she put it in her hair. So it looks like she's got like a flower in her hair, and then she would just go like this and boom, but it turns into a silk, and it just looks wow. so beautiful. Like if you if you just take those ideas and apply them in the right way, you can really reinvent them and make them look so beautiful. That's, that's the good stuff. Nice. Well, look guys, I think that's all we have time for only because I have to go and perform again and have another deja vu moment <laughs> going out all day today. Oh, I like it. Doug's oh, got go. a flower yeah. silk. Nice. This guy pulls nice. the flower off his jacket, Ooh. turns into a silk, and then it goes back onto his jacket. Yeah, it's beautiful. So the flower turns into a silk, and then it turns back into a flower in his hands, vanishes, and it's back on his lapel. You found that remarkably quick, too. I'm so impressed. You know, That's it's great. funny you mentioned this. I'd filmed this at a convention for my buddy Jimmy Talks a lot because it's such a Jimmy <laughs> trick. I'm like, Jimmy needs to see this. And uh, you just happened to mention that thing, and it's like been on my mind the last couple yeah. of days. We we have yeah. a gang we have a gangster character here in in Melbourne. His name is uh, Al Cappuccino, and he does a bit like that as well, where he not only pulls it back into a, a rose, but he actually like throws it. And when he throws it, it goes and then clips like it just goes yeah. straight to where it needs to be. Like and that's kind of what this was doing, but he's making it more magical by vanishing it really? here. Kind of, he did a few things with this thing. He had it hopping from one side to the other. That was kind of cool. Mm. That's great. Well, you know us, guys. We could talk till the cows come home, but I think it's about time that we wrap up with the final word. And who we nominate? Um, we should probably nominate the guy experiencing Beijing. Josh's turn. Josh Norbita. Yeah. Tell us, sounds, tell us things, Josh. Sounds, sounds Bring her home. So, my friends, if I've experienced any pro tips this week, it is that when you are busy on the road doing lots of shows, one thing you might neglect is eating, what you're going to eat, and can you access food. And what I've tended to do is to pick up myself some uh, Uncle Toby's Chewy Choc Chips uh, because they have just the right amount of sugar and carbs that can actually get me through uh, an entire day of uh, performing if I had to. Um like if I have to skip lunch, I know this will get me through. So you chuck a couple of muesli bars in your bag and you're good to go. Now, if you use the code PiperGuys uh, at <laughs> pipermagic.com.au, that'll do nothing because you're an idiot. You've got to go to the, the supermarket for that. But that is my pro tip for today. Peace out. It's we'll good see one. you next week. Thanks for listening. It's time for us to disappear now. Disappear now. But we'll see you again on the next episode of The Magic Guys. Magic.